There's no going back. You can't do it. Anyone pushes away a world that conspired to cause so much suffering. There's nothing to go back to, and worse to look forward to. Why don't you join us? Maybe you too have a part to play in this story. Get the Saban kid laugh. I don't know. Maybe. The ha 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 ha. I mean, it doesn't sound... <laughs> it's like 30 kids at once. <laughs> Do you remember at the end of Power Rangers, the Saban laugh? I don't... I don't think... Oh, they were the producer, right? The people who actually made it? Yes. Right. I didn't watch a lot of Power Rangers, to be honest. My parents probably thought they were evil. Yeah, fighting... Space demons sure seems pretty evil. They were very suspicious of most things. Speaking yeah, of most, oh sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, we're already recording. <laughs> so you can what? You can cut however much of this out that you want. It's all fine. I'll yeah. leave it in. Yeah, <laughs> this is the natural start. I'll, I'll let it stew. Mm-hmm. Whoa, 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 whoa! There's still plenty of meat on that bone. You take this home, throw it in a pot, add some broth, a potato. Baby, you got a stew going. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? It was going better before I had the sound of child laughter in my head. Yeah, there's a few things more disconcerting. Also, I had pasta for dinner, so I am full. It's not yeah. converted into energy yet. Man, I'm, I was I started thinking about different instances where like children's laughter is used to be unnerving. And there's there's kind of a lot actually. You're like you want children like children are sequence. always used for being unnerving. Yeah. Pasta <laughs> pasta's pretty good. <laughs> Big cough. Um. <laughs> yeah, I have no segue off of that one. So hopefully you've you can direct us to a left turn or a right turn. Well, I mean, we do know uh, two people in our friend group who will be having kids. That's true. One of them already has a kid and can be four. considered a, a greedy jerk. Uh huh. I was going to say four people if you count if you count there people they're having no. kids with. <laughs> to be fair, it's only two people who are having the kids. <laughs> right. Right. Two it's other people also have joint ownership. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're co-signers or co-sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder, has anyone ever... No, they, they, the joke has been used. That if, like, you had a son named William or something, you're just like, oh, I co-sponsored this bill. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it's pretty bad, but it's basically dad joke bad, so I would expect someone... This is what I get from, like, Alexa, tell me a joke. Okay, we didn't set it off. Okay, um, <laughs> But they, they are really bad. They're, they're eye rollers, if you will. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, this is the episode about kids. It's not. It's not, though. What are your thoughts on kids? <laughs> right. I don't have any, honestly. Do we have any good examples of kids and bad examples of kids? Right. Amongst our friends, right? Let's, let's, let's dive in. Rate our friends' kids. <laughs> uh, pass. I would, like to, I would like to back up from this line of questioning. All right. Yeah. So we'll have you rating... Um, 
other people's uh, offspring and instead talk about immersive video games, how important immersion is in games, what that can mean, because obviously that's hecka broad. Um, and, you know, cite some cool examples, discuss how important we think it is. How important do you think immersion is? I want to make the shitty joke of the topic of immersion is as broad as a lady in the 1920s mm. and then say, I feel it like a lot of things. It does depend. But if I want to be invested in a game, um, right. it needs to be immersive in some or multiple capacities. Like mm. a lot of the games that I've really touted over the years and on podcast are things that have a decent enough degree of immersion because um, there'd be things that I will think about while I'm playing. And then afterwards I'll still think about it. I'll have fond right. memories. I'll remember experiences more so than just remember that time I dodge rolled and then some slapped him on the ass. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it's, it's, we're going to be referencing a lot of games that we've referenced in the past. Surprise, surprise. Cause we've played the games that we've played. Um, but, uh, there's a, there's a really wide range for different ways you could, uh, qualify something here. So things that aren't even on the list, like something can be immersive just due to pulling you into an emotional moment. Let's define immersion. Sure. Before we get to that list. Right. So my definition for immersion would be, um, something that pulls you into the moment or pulls you into the gameplay. It keeps you focused on the uh, on the game and basically the difference between me and my parents when it came to playing games is like one i'm good at video games obviously my parents aren't but the other thing is um they would press buttons right like they're holding the controller pressing buttons consciously that's Mm -hmm. the conscious part of it i need to jump therefore i'll press a um whereas i think our generation and people who grew up playing games we learn the controls and then we do things in the game, right? So immersion to me is something that is keeping you in that headspace of being in the game. Like a car across the street honked its horn and you didn't notice it because you're in the moment here. Um, but obviously that could be a lot of games. So I'd say what immersion's not is if a game is just mechanics and you could be doing something on another monitor or talking to friends on something else that's anti-immersion to me that's the opposite from my definition though take that cookie clicker right does your uh definition vary from that at all um probably not too much but to just reword it for the sake of content anyway right uh kind of harkening back to that initial statement that i made it it's something that i'm going to remember afterwards like I'm having experience in the game. Um, other things like outside stimuli do not affect you as much. Right. And you're not thinking of the game as a game. You're not thinking, oh, I'm going to go collect the loot and press the buttons. Mm-hmm. You're just having an experience through the medium of a game. Right. So like big emotional impacts that I've had in gaming, like the death of Aerith and Final Fantasy seven, uh, right. things in Undertale, some intense quest lines in Witcher 3. These are all things that like I was very focused on in the moment and just being there 
because I cared what happened to the characters in the events. Right. It's a certain level of investment. That's non. You're not thinking of it as I'm. I'm beeping the boops. Right. I think. I think that's a good. That's probably a good way to think about it. Um, anything that takes you a little bit away from just the controls of what you're doing. An emotional aspect is can be really uh, strong for this. Like looking at the list here, might as well honestly start off with a really strong one, which I think hits. Um, immersion from a couple different perspectives. I know what you're looking at. I know you just you see me scroll a little bit. I don't even see where your cursor is. I just took a, you a feel rough it. guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Undertale. Shit. <laughs> is a place I I actually think we could start on because um, if you think about graphical immersion, you can think about like no HUD, audio immersion. Um, uh, things pulling you into the universe. Undertale is like a classic RPG in its design. And you're specifically playing many of your games almost like WarioWare. But I'm curious why, uh, what aspects of it you find immersive? What pulled you in for Undertale? I mean, it's definitely minimalist as far as the art style. Everybody knows mm-hmm. that. So there's a certain quirkiness of that or it was just being unique at the time so that was a level of interest in and of itself um then i'm not going to regale the whole story of my emotional investment at the time and where i was but it did pull me in emotionally Mm -hmm. and i did grow to love the characters in the story and i gave a fuck about what happened um and like all of the music was good and upbeat for when it was happy it was yeah. intense for when it was like dire straits just the design of it suited the game mm-hmm. nothing felt generic everything felt if you cared about like a given character and you had a boss fight you're like oh this is definitely their fucking theme yeah mm-hmm. i think i think music is a really good touch point for this because like on its own the music is really good for Undertale. I mean, oh yeah, we we listened to the OST for years after it came out. Um, I still occasionally listen to the songs. That's another medium's just a moment away in my in my memory. Um, but uh, the way that the music pulled you into the moments, like these characters were really well written. Obviously, we circle jerk about Toby Fox nigh unceasingly. Um, Toby Fox, I like to call him. <laughs> right. I haven't used that joke in two years. Leave me be. <laughs> but uh, the way that like the writing is elevated by the music usage, like these characters, themes, the high points, the low points. Um, and together, neither of those things would be I'm lost in this video game territory on their own. If there was no music, some of the highs and lows of the games would not have been nearly as impactful. But when you threw that all together in that package and you had it as polished as it was, um, I think Undertale stands out as something that doesn't traditionally get, you know, put in that immersive game box, but uh, it, it earns it. Yeah, a lot of those features are definitely complementary. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of an example of a game where it's a lot of those elements are not complementary and they're probably not a 
they're probably not what's the word I'm looking for they're probably not blatantly not working together they're just kind of there right oh uh, I can think of an example actually this is a little bit weird yeah Um, but it was a minor controversy we talked about it a little bit but uh, Doom Eternal came out and this is not a game that's on our list for immersive games (laughs) Uh, although it's it's still really cool recommend it still um but the audio mixing for the game was um i don't want to say done poorly but there was a lot of issues with getting the composer and the team together and getting the tracks out on time so it felt like it felt okay but there was very few highs there wasn't like this is the track i'm going back to and i'm going to listen to this on rp on the ost and it wasn't as action-packed as um the first doom and the game has all of those like adrenaline filled moments, but the OST never feels like it drives that there's not that drop when you like cock the shotgun coming out of the elevator, like in doom one. And that's a way audio could help immersion. And it didn't in this case, for me, at least for doom eternal. Syncing up music to game events is huge. If you're, trying to get someone invested immediately if you want them to hit that uh, like dopamine peak seriously like all of the intro and outro edits that we do it i mean we alternate week to week but Mm -hmm. we love to be like hey other person didn't do the edit check out this cool edit and you're like yeah oh that's time really cool because there is a it just it fits yes Mm -hmm. you're like that feels good and just going off of that good feeling gets you invested, whether it be the podcast, please like and subscribe and share with your friends, please, or <laughs> the game that you're playing. Yes. Another game that I think fucking kicked ass in like every aspect, but going off of the audio alone mm-hmm. is Senua's. Right. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. There was an episode already, so I can't repeat everything, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> we would have a 10-hour long episode. I know. We repeated the content for all these games. But just as far as the narrator dialogue, mm-hmm. um, it's very quiet, whispery. Uh, you can hear the skull or Senua breathing. And it mm-hmm. kind of draws you in. If you have like somebody speaking quietly, they're not trying to get your attention. You have to seek it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of draws you in and like, hey, what's going on? And it's very up close. All of the graphics are really expressive for the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. There wasn't any like crazy standout track that would go back and listen to, but all of the yeah. audio really fits. The ambience. I yeah. Think. It it's fits if it's like a tense moment or action-packed. Mm-hmm. everything about it was game, just very clean the game tells you at the start uh, we recommend wearing headphones for this experience just because of the whispering in Senua's head like that. if that's not immersive then I don't really know what is it's like we literally tailored the mechanics to the hardware you're going to be using um, that's it, it, it's ridiculously good I mean you can go back and check out our episode but um getting emotionally attached and invested in the story, uh, sensory deprivation, uh, making some of the boss fights really intense. Uh, one boss fight in particular, I'm again, not going to go back to, so I don't have to spoil, put a spoiler disclaimer for this one, but like 
um, the game uses those mechanics frequently, uh, visual and auditory um, balancing to highlight certain moments. And I think that's really cool. I feel like we're um, describing cool things, but there definitely is an overlap. Right. Like I if mean, there's something you enjoy about a game and it's not simply gamified, I feel that you can be immersed. And some of that, like, so Mario, obviously a very gamey type game. Mario games are designed for the sense of it's family friendly. It's going to be fun to play. Mm-hmm. Like when we were talking about Odyssey the other week, it was just like a really fun fucking game. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the goal of it. And it does feel very gamey, but in the same way, maybe like Paper Mario has enough world building or little jokes from like the toads you find that draws yeah. you in. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's really that hook factor or multiple hooks. If you're a yeah. pro fisherman like me, one hook at a <laughs> time. Just, ha. <laughs> double poles <laughs> over both shoulders. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> poles akimbo. Um, yeah, I wouldn't actually classify uh, Super Mario Odyssey as like an immersive game. Oh, no, definitely it's, not. It's it's super fun. Um, but fun doesn't necessarily translate one to one with immersion. There are immersive games that, that I actively do not enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And there, there's immersive games where um, if the immersion is lost or if it, a game is aiming to be immersive, but the immersion is lost, it actually reduces fun because part of it is some of that buy in um, for the investment. Um, an example I have here for that is um uh, amnesia amnesia uses both audio cues graphical cues to put you in the shoes of someone who uh, is haunted basically right you're being chased down by these monsters but you can't look at the monster this is a form of visual sensory deprivation um, at the same time uh, at one point i was just fed up of being scared of the thing I was like, I'll respawn. The game doesn't uninstall itself if I die. I'm going to look at it. And then I realized the model didn't look that good. And it kind of just stood there and then killed me. There was no you know, dramatic death sequence or anything. It's like those Flash games on Newgrounds where you're just like, ah, slap. Right. You died. And in this case, losing that, um, that wall, that block where you can't see the monster, mm-hmm. uh, significantly reduced my immersion of the game because I started to see the mechanics. I was like, oh, the monster will chase me under these conditions. I can't look at it because the game will go blurry because they realize that it becomes unscary if you look at it. Um, and I gamified it. And from that point on, my speed run for Amnesia improved dramatically because I didn't <laughs> care about the monster anymore, right? There's like a specific room in there where there's like three monsters mm-hmm. but you can book it to go to like a, an animation did you start doing things like that yeah i think i think for a lot of them the game is most impactful when you're hiding from the creatures and trying to sneak your way past yeah um but it's not the most efficient way to play um if you're trying to just see the credits which you shouldn't be aiming for if you're playing a yeah. game like amnesia anyways but i mean so question for you, because mm-hmm. I do this a lot personally. How often do you try and gamify a game? 
and try and like make it more efficient for your playthrough and be like, these are the mechanics I can abuse and will abuse to achieve right. a certain goal. Um, it depends a lot on the game. Uh, I do it sometimes in a response to stress. So like in the case of amnesia, the game was scary. I didn't like being scared. So I wanted to confront that so I would no longer be scared. Um, admittedly, again, kind of ruins the game. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be playing horror games. <laughs> I can I accept that criticism. Um, but other times, you know, I'll listen to audio logs. I'll read books. I'll do whatever. I don't have to be um, always in a rush, you know, or turning it down to base mechanics. I don't make spreadsheets for every game, despite the rumors comma anymore uh, right. <laughs> I'm, i have refined my gameplay to a socially acceptable state <laughs> i would probably be in a similar camp and i would almost argue that the games that i don't either a explicitly do not allow it in any fashion or mm-hmm. b i don't want to because of the immersion right mm-hmm. like if i'm yeah. in it i'm in it you can set the fucking rules you can write my entire lore you can have like this whole predestiny set out for me i will confide to the game universe and just live in it yeah but if there's something i don't like or something that i want to cheese hello divinity original sin 2 uh-huh. i love the game i will break you <laughs> right <laughs> no that's that's entirely fair and i do the same time same thing sometimes go for an optimized run or just be like, all right, this is enough time to become broken and overpowered, and we're going to force your way through this. Um, is there the other question I had to kind of loosely queued up? Mm-hmm. Is there one aspect of immersion you think works better, either in general or for you specifically, whether that's through like auditory, mm-hmm. um, visually, or just like an emotional hook? Yeah, I think um, visuals maybe. I think emotion is is the strongest one for me because even some of these, so like uh, I was going to talk of about Subnautica at one point. Um, some of the reasons that that game is super immersive to me is not because you're covered in water. We made that joke back in Subnautica, uh, submerged in immersion, um, but uh, the feeling of isolation, right? When you're underwater, which is a common fear for a lot of people is being in deep water. Um, you feel isolated. You're playing a single player game in this case. Uh, If you're far from your base, which feels like your point of safety, you can be concerned for what's out there. Um, And that does, it it does raise the cortisol levels, does make me a bit stressed. But I think that um, that also gets me engaged in what's going on. Um, and I pee myself sometimes because it's a freaking <laughs> scary game. But in Subnautica, like the difference is, um, you were talking about gamifying something. Mm-hmm. If you know all the solutions, like the map doesn't change dramatically between Subnautica runs. There's some minor variance in your drop pod. Um, but if you know where things are, the game is actually significantly less scary. Like knowledge is the difference between where you start and where you end for the most part. Um, in Subnautica. So 
I think emotion is my answer. <laughs> and I'm using Subnautica pinned into the answer. <laughs> looks looks at voice bar. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have... I suspect the answer would probably be emotional for you too. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big that. feelsy. Big feelsy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you recommended Undertale to me, so like... Yeah, only yeah. <laughs> you and nobody else. Um, right. But I feel like, so auditory stuff, mm-hmm. like we use Senua's as an example, definitely draws you in. Right. But as far as like the music side of that, I feel like it's really good for punctuating certain events. Right. Again, abusing Undertale as an example here. When you fight Undyne and you have her theme pop off for the fucking boss fight, you're like, oh shit, it's going down. And it feels really good. Um and like that bombast really excites you. Yeah. But I've never had a game that was so musically good where I'm like, this is the sole reason I'm playing it. Mm-hmm. So like super giant games in general, obviously the music is kick ass. Obviously the mm-hmm. art style is kick ass visually too. Yeah. But it's the story and the character writing and mm-hmm. how their dialogue sounds. If they have dialogue or if it's just a narrator. Right. That's what draws me in. It's the storytelling aspect. Gotcha. Like the world building and thoroughness of it. Yeah. By the way, do you know how much fucking content is in Hades? Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's great. I don't think Jesus was one of the Greek gods, though. I think that's a conflation of deities. Oh, you should get his boon. <laughs> it is it is OP. If you die, you just come back. Like That's, that's pretty good. It's easy peasy. You actually always have that boon active in Hades. <laughs> it's just you come back at the beginning without all your stuff. Also, they don't tell you this. You can literally just throw thunderbolts. You just choose not to. <laughs> right. Um, no, that's fair. I think I'm a little surprised our list didn't contain any super giant games. Maybe it's because we've talked about them. Like It yeah. feels like we talked about them a lot. Um, but they are a perfect example of making entirely immersive worlds that don't depend on the mechanics whatsoever uh, to attain that immersion. Yeah. Pyre being in a fucking example, everyone's <laughs> thrown by the basketball mechanic. Yeah. But what you remember are the characters and their style of speaking. Yeah. It's so, like a visual novel, really. Yeah. But yeah. I'm saying like, if you use something like animal crossing, each different character has their own kind of mumble speech. Um, and Empire, they also have like their own kind of language and not not actual words, mm-hmm. but a certain sound and style to them. Yeah, which gives them like a words. persona. Yeah, yeah, and their own voices. Um, no, it's really true. Um, they clearly put a lot of effort into getting you invested in that. Um, recently, it came up that um, we were talking about on the side that. Uh, if there's like a proper noun or something uh, rather than just defining what it is in the context, every time you can always just mouse over they'll like have uh, the text will be like bolded in a certain color and you can just mouse over it and see the definition It just pops up. So you never like are going through these lore books and codexes and stuff like that to figure out what everything means. You can just stay in the game, stay in the conversation, be like, Oh, I don't quite remember what that is. Mouse over. Pardon me. Okay. I'm good. (laughs) You know, just like that. Um, yeah, it definitely feels weird to ever have to look something up. Something mm-hmm. a lot of games will do will give you these audio logs. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about like the good example being something like Bioshock. You pick one up, it's like, hey, do you want to play it? Yeah. So you can just listen to it while you walk around and the audio stays with you mm-hmm. versus yeah, Sunny was, hey, touch the shrine. It's going to start playing some audio. Don't walk too far, though. It's it's location based. Yes, they kind of do the um, the Batman hand up to the earpiece thing a little bit yeah. where you're like, all right, I get that you don't want me to progress while this is going on. So we don't overlap audio cues. Um, it and just it feels weird. Borderlands isn't on our list, but they're the opposite of that. They have the opposite issue. Uh, the immersion's broken for me, um, not because the world's completely ridiculous. Pandora's completely ridiculous, but because I could be listening to someone talk to me in real time, like over the radio or whatever, they're telling me a mission uh, instructions. And then someone also just interrupt them and that dialogue will play over the whole thing. Like, Audio mixing is important, right? Um, and it, it can really uh, is help or harm uh, immersion in a game. Um, As somebody who's quote unquote mixed audio before, uh, being able to hear both people at sim- similar levels so you're not missing dialogue <coughs> is pretty key. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. Um, and we've thankfully never made any missteps in our audio mixing. Literally never. Perfect. <laughs> Between this episode and episode one, mm, the same. No. Yeah. Consistent is the one word to describe us, I think. Um, uh, really just, I, I want to touch one more point on audio real quick. Yeah. Because um, uh, we've got Fallout on here. And without jumping into everything that is Fallout, I just want to tackle one aspect that they use for immersion. Um and you have the option when you're playing the new Fallout games, anything past two, um, to turn on a radio. And there's usually a couple radios offered that play old style music, like Adam, um, Adam Bomb Baby, uh, Uranium Fever, all this stuff. I don't want to set the world on fire. Like all of these songs that are super great, set the tone and immersion for a lighthearted wasteland slaughter fest romp um that shows up in the trailers like when they have trailers for fallout they're almost always set to these um these tracks that get you uh, a paste for the game but you can contrast all of that to what happens if you turn those radios off in which case the ambient music kicks in and it's always haunting slow it's got like synth and stuff it's really like a kind of subtle um, and it makes you feel more isolated, alone, not like you're going to be a mass murderer wiping out all these raiders. Um, and it makes it feel like a wasteland as opposed to like your own personal playground. Um, that's a cool toggle. I will say a lot of those songs definitely still make it feel very. I'm going to kind of like slowly play my banjo and shoot stuff along the way. Like yeah. a slower pace exploration rather than running around murder rampage or something like Borderlands, right? Yeah. New Where Vegas those... in particular is like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't they... say I've played much of the Fallout series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to my credit, I think it's for good reason. But it's also <laughs> just never really appealed to me. Um, I, I would love to like disagree, but it's hard to pick a Fallout game that's both still playable and like and wouldn't be a terrible experience because of hardware and graphics and things like that. Um, 
I think I just missed the boat. Yeah. The only one that's really modern playable that's still recommendable is like Fallout 4. And it's not really the classic Fallout experience. So hmm. I'm I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you think would stand out for audio or would you want to jump into visual immersion? Uh, or just that like open world. Ambience makes a, a huge fucking difference. Mm-hmm. Like one thing I always notice people do in video games, if given the option, is the run around, jump around, and hit stuff a lot. Right. Uh, so when you don't have any feedback from those, it feels really weird. Um, yeah. Copying off of Mandalore Gaming, who does really good gaming reviews on YouTube, mm-hmm. a lot of times, show. oh, of course, mm-hmm. uh, we'll always talk about like the sound mixing of just like some ambient things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's using the forest as an example in the forest review mm. where like you hear the grass um, when you're chopping down a tree, you hear the chop, you hear the wood fall, you hear the wood when you pick it up, you yeah. hear like the natives run around barefoot. And it's like these yeah. elements make it feel more realistic. So having those in good quality and spacing them out correctly is. Mm. Yeah. We talked a lot about like music, but just sound effects are equally as important. It's weird to have like really good music and then bedoying and you're like, uh like some of that, uh, Saturday morning radio host type sounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. They have their soundboard off to the side. Just roll face on, (laughs) on soundboard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All of the Seinfeld sounds go off at the same time. Crazy Carl. That's very true completely true as are all things that i say i actually have one i want to mention before going too much into uh, graphics and how immersive they can be Uh, this is the anti-case this is a shitty example this is a great example uh, because it sets up immersion through deprivation which we mentioned a little bit earlier but um, in other waters which we talked about a while back. I played it. I bought it and played it. Um, and I don't know if I full recommend it because it's one of those not game games. But the not game game aspect of it is you just remotely control where this person is going. You don't see what they see. You just have like sensor data up on your screen. Like basic like knobs and levers essentially for mm-hmm. what you're doing in the game. Um and then just like a text readout for what the uh, diver you're assisting is what she's saying. And this takes away all of that. It's like, you don't have audio. If something like surprises her, you don't hear her like scream or do anything like that. Right. Yeah. Um, You don't get any of that. You don't get to see the enemies. You just see like, Oh, here's a, there's a dot and it's coming toward us. You're like, all right, let's go back. Let's turn this thing around. Beware, Janet, the dots. Right. And in a weird way, even though this is anti-immersion because you're not seeing or hearing any of this, um, it can generate suspense immersion because it's it's like you have a radio, like a walkie-talkie, and you're guiding someone through a process. Mm -hmm. And you're not focused on what you're looking at. You're trying to 
in, inject as much meaning into this walkie-talkie as you can to help them out of their situation, which gets you invested in the moment, at least, even if the other immersive aspects aren't there. Hmm. I don't think that would play a part of like just being on the other side of it, not being able to directly influence. Yeah. I think the other piece to steal a quote from community is in the same way I can name this pencil, Jerry break it in half and a small part of you dies <laughs> because it's easy to project of like, Oh, that's a thing. I care about the thing. Right. Even though like it could be a fucking dot. Like right, exactly. <laughs> no, human psychology that's... is fascinating. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, is there anything else here uh, stands out you want to talk about from an immersive perspective? We actually have a much more lighthearted slash maybe shallow example in crisis uh, for graphical immersion. This is probably like the level one. If we actually ordered our steps, this would have been like the initial stare <laughs> to talk about in an immersion. But we do, we do no such thing. Um, yeah, it was for the time crisis was supposed to be very realistic but I've never had a machine that could run it. <laughs> I think your machine, your machine now could. Well, yeah, now, but I'm not going to pick it up now. Mm-hmm. But when I first got it as a kid in high school and I was like, Oh, I, I have enough disk space to install it. Let me do right. that. There's and then I did. And then I was, do you remember having like a fucking dial up connection and trying mm-hmm. to load a picture on Google and like it started to like load blocks from the top. That's Uh basically how it was for the first mission. You jump out of a helicopter and every five seconds, my character would drop another like foot or so. I'm like, Oh, it's coming. (laughs) Right. I will reach the ground. So that was just a a hardware disparity. Mm -hmm. But I mean, having really good graphics or something like that really without like an extensive HUD, makes you feel in the moment of like oh i'm james bond running around shooting people or i'm this special agent running around shooting people i just really want to run around and shoot people apparently but i i have a specific example for this one for crisis like um because i couldn't play it when it first came out either but eventually i got a better graphics card and then i was able to play it on like medium (laughs) or something um but it was one of the the first games that had water that looked like absolutely amazing um Bioshock, obviously, is another great example of this. Um, but uh, I ran through like a pool of water and it was just kind of like pouring off the face and stuff like that. I'm like, holy crap, this looks so freaking good. And I don't know, just everything about it was so graphically impressive when it came out. I watched videos on YouTube of just here's a million barrels stacked up in a skyscraper and we'll just blow the whole thing up. Like just massive explosion and um, the guy had to render it out like frame by frame and then just in post bump it up to like 30 frames per second so you could watch it. (laughs) And it was just it was just crazy like how cool everything looked. Um, And on its own, usually that's not enough for me. Like graphics are great, but it stood out because they were so yeah. It doesn't need to drive the game. But going back to something like Gunfire, mm-hmm. Gunfire was really stylized in a cartoony, fun way. I enjoyed it, right? but there's definitely a gamey aspect to it versus if it was something that was very realistic, 
mm-hmm. I might have a different experience entirely. It might be more immersive, but I might not enjoy it as much from like a let me hop on do like a quick run, right type thing. Yeah, I think I think it's really rare. Like I actually would probably prefer cartoon graphics more often because um, they don't age as much, and you don't feel like um, these people were trying for realism and now by today's standards they have missed like the characters in crisis look significantly worse even though they were massively impressive when they came out than the characters in the last of us 2 like there's been massive you know they're obviously different games but there's been massive leaps so i haven't had another experience i think that's not true we recently talked about um, Detroit and I literally told you about a uh, part where I was like, I think this is just a pre-recorded looping actual video clip because it looks so good. But those moments are rare for me. It's rare that a game takes me in just because of the graphics. But at least like with something like Detroit, the difference between active gameplay and cutscene, mm-hmm. there's such a small difference. Yeah. It's not like, uh, fucking Final Fantasy X, right? You have right. your in-game, <laughs> and then you have your pre-rendered cutscene. You're like, dear God, it looks beautiful. Yeah. But then when you come out of that, you're like, back to being Polygon Boy. Yep. I mean, Final Fantasy VII, there was the similar Seven, thing. Exactly. of mm-hmm. It was literally fucking polygons, but when you had those cool cutscenes, you're like, Jesus Christ. You know, like, Sephiroth many- in the flames? That's intense. Yeah. And it looked real for the time. Cloud goes from being an anime character to like polygon per hand. (laughs) That's literally it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's more so like if you have a set style on something, even if it's not the best graphically, if it's Mm -hmm. consistent, it helps a lot more with immersion than if you have something that's kind of jumping back and forth between Right, because it really is jarring. I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've covered several titles where they their consistency helped them out with um, pulling you into the universe. Undertale. Undertale and Crisis is probably going to be the only time I have a comparison <laughs> between those two games. <laughs> They're basically the same. Um, another one I wanted to mention from graphics perspective. Did you play like any of the Elder Scrolls? Back in the day, I definitely played some three, which I think is Morrowind. Mm, yeah. Um, did some Skuma. Didn't really know much of what I was doing, <laughs> but I did find after a, some Skuma. That's pretty <laughs> normal. <laughs> I did find a cheat to heal, so mm. I would go fight Obsidian guards. Pause. Put in the heal cheat, and then yeah. I think I stole some stuff. I didn't do too much in that game. Uh, missed Oblivion entirely, and mm. then played one of the seventeen editions of Skyrim most of the way yeah. through yeah the main quest is entirely optional in skyrim so <laughs> i have never done it so yeah yeah um yeah so the the one i had picked out um was uh, oblivion actually even though i put more time into skyrim because it's statistically seven, yeah <laughs> yeah i've played like three editions all of them on pc at this point um like oh the 64-bit edition better pick that one up um but I, I still remember in uh, Oblivion, and it was, must have been a similar experience in Morrowind. Um, when you escape the prison, 
in Oblivion. Because up until that point, you're all in these pretty constrained locations. Um, and it feels, you know, like relatively... There's some branching locations, but it's like linear for the most part. Um, and then you make it out of the prison and you're just like, all right, now that we're out of the sewer, here's a river in front of you and some ruins beyond and the whole open world. And the music kicks in. Going back to that. You thought we were past music. We're not. <laughs> um, and the whole moment of just, this is graphically super impressive. I don't know why I thought that, but at the time that must have been closer to true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the music's dropped and I just stood there. I was like, crap, my frames per second are garbage. <laughs> so I had to go get a mod called old oblivion that turned off all of the shadows and desaturated everything. And it made the game playable on like integrated graphics. <laughs> if you didn't have a discrete <laughs> graphics card. Um, but even then the world building and like those series uh, drew me in more than anything it's like impossible to talk about immersive games from my perspective and not mention elder scrolls yeah it definitely falls under that space another part of that is the game persistence mm-hmm. so like if i left some bodies somewhere and i come back there's still gonna be those bodies there if right. i piss off some town guards they're still gonna be really pissed yeah so it's not like you just go up you fuck it's not an instance based thing it is there's solely one game universe that you're in and what you do has impact yeah whether that's in undertale and you killed a character cough looking at you Gennaro, um mm-hmm. or if you pissed off some guards or you dug something up in minecraft yeah having your impact last in a game carries so much more because you have direct control over it you're not just sitting through an experience which in and right. of itself can be like a very immersive experience but having a layer of tactility onto it of i directly impact and change the outcome of the game right a huge oh. so for oblivion for me it was this, this combination of all this stuff graphically impressive music was awesome and like a fully fleshed out world I could just live in for hundreds of hours. Right. Like, um, that is, you know, to me, you know, some of the definition of traditional immersion. So had to, had to get a place in here, I think. Um, definitely. I will, I will always take pieces of the cheesecake. Like you can have, like, I like graham crackers. So having mm. that as a crust on its own, mm, mm. I would just eat graham crackers. Cool. It's cheesecake. True fucking love cheesecake right cream cheese (laughs) strawberries (laughs) they're great on their own too but when you have them all together and they're fucking complimentary and they make this cohesive bad bitch mm, fucking (laughs) love it and i'm sure like a lot of games that people are thinking of that we haven't mentioned that they had their own experiences with they feel the same way of i felt a part of the game world through the world building, the storytelling, the mm-hmm. characters and their interactions. Oh, this this guy made a quip. That's so him. Mm-hmm. And the music and sound effects going on in the world that bring you into the universe. Yeah. Like from it's a, it's a book a book standpoint, how do you make a reader give a fuck about somebody? You have right. to relate it 
to them. You have to flesh out the character and their world so right. that you can actually imagine what it is. Yeah. Otherwise, it's me just being like, hey, Jake, so this guy goes down to the drugstore to get some uh, coffee and eggs because the drugstore also has that. And you're like, uh-huh. Right. You're like, and he was a podcast listener. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> what happens to the guy? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, <laughs> it's time to play the music. <laughs> I know what you're not you're going for, but um, yeah, I agree. The full experience really brings it together. We have like a couple full experience games on our list. I mean, Deus Ex for me. I mean, you can mention any fucking interactive sim like that. And I'm like, yeah, Ooh, we there. It's another great example outside of Bioshock of it's about the character dialogue and the choices you have in the game yeah, uh, and the things you do having impact, but it having a badass sound score. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking particularly of like human revolution? Yes. I'm never going to go back and say the first <laughs> one ever. Right. I yeah. still have to go back and officially beat it for Ian's sake, but mm. yeah, there's, I'm I'm not going to go into spoilers. Different entries in the Deus Ex series definitely take the idea of actual consequences for your actions differently. But as a whole, the series does it significantly more as it is an immersive sim, right? Yeah. Uh, than other things. Do you um, think the decision impact assists or kind of detracts from immersion for yourself? I think as long as the decision actually... <laughs> have we crapped on telltale yet this episode like because not this episode <laughs> it's, it's gonna happen um i think if done right then it can really enhance it um i've literally had points in games where they're like hey uh do you save the school this is a theoretical example but it's a stand-in do you save the school bus full of kids or do you get like plus 10 to your health pool and i'm like oh oof, geez i mean 10 health (laughs) you know it's not always that it's not always like when if a game is like evil or greater evil or like personal evil or public evil yeah um i've had to stop like take a step back a little bit and be like i really want to google what the results of these choices are and i'm not going to because of ethics and then i google them um, but until that moment, I'm still in there. Yeah. It's an interesting split because I I never necessarily want to pay for my actions in that way. <laughs> you don't want consequences? I don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody does. Like, they're just, they want to play a game for fun. What right. something like Telltale? It's like, hey, do you piss off this person or this person? And you're like, oh, I don't want to piss off either but yeah. you're put in this lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just go to try things out. Um, I I really like when it's not a forced decision. Mm-hmm. So going back to the Skyrim example, if I steal and get caught by the guards, I completely opted into that situation. I said, mm-hmm. I want to take personal gain over my relationship with this town and the guards right right Mm -hmm. but it's not like them giving you like a piece of candy or money and it's like which do you choose right it's which would be a forced decision yeah so like having that agency and being punished for that 
doesn't take me out of it because I had the freedom to do so. You opted into the risk. Yeah. As opposed to just choose the lesser two evils, but pick an evil, right? Yeah. But yeah. if you pick something like that, where, oh, this character is probably going to have negative consequences, and then it's just not negative consequences, mm-hmm. that feels more like a TV show to me. Right. Mm-hmm. These two characters fought to the death, but one of them left with a scratch on their cheek. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have this game universe and you want me to be invested in it and you're giving me a dire choice like that with dire consequences, mm-hmm. let it play out. Yeah. I know we usually talk about video games, but this whole thing is making reminding me of the last D&D session we had yeah. where the players chose to teleport across the map into the path of an immensely powerful dragon. And I'm like... If you do this, I'll give you inspiration, which is just like a carrot on a stick, basically. Like I'm trying to lure them over the edge to their deaths and the carrot on the stick is right there. Um, And it also is just high drama and interesting. That's the real reason to give it. Um, But they almost freaking died. Like they, you know, tactically, it was a very all in strategy to just. It sounds like (laughs) jump straight to the dragon, leaving most of the party behind. Yeah. and like due to some disaster management on their part, they survived it. But just like you said, they, they, they measured the risk. They took the risk. I'd like to believe they would have been okay paying for the risk, but they found a way out. Um, but that makes the world more interesting when you, when you have the control to make decisions like that. I would agree. In telltale games, choose what, which of these people dies which one lives the other person is almost guaranteed to die by the end of the chapter because from a technical perspective, they didn't want that person living through the rest. Right. Yeah. Which is why I like the David cage version better where it's, Hey, here's some things you could do. And then you can go and do them or choose not to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you still have consequences for those, but, but you're not in control of everything. it, It pushes you off in a direction and then you can kind of choose what to do from there. Certain parts are more linear, but you still have a lot of options. Yeah. I'm glad we hit on this. Uh, the impact of like choice in immersion wasn't one of the planned points here, but it's it's an important one, I think. It's also without talking about any spoilers whatsoever. This is just an inside joke. Maybe not a joke, but inside reference for people who listen to the podcast or have played the game. But everything we just talked about, just think about that. And then The Last of Us Part 2. Other games we talk about <laughs> um, is uh, Breath of the Wild. So, no, no, no. Hold on. Sh- shut the hell up for a sec. Are we going to? All right. But, not Last of Us 2 specifically, but Last okay. of Us as a series. All right. Can we say that? Yes. Um. Another good example of you kind of made to give a fuck about the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in these tense situations to also build that emotional connection. Right. You have this kind of ambient wasteland where things are very bleak, but a little bit hopeful. Mm-hmm. And that was just a, I mean, the game gets points all around as it has for many years, 
but as far as immersion i gave a fuck about that game and when i finished that game mm-hmm. i felt shook yeah which doesn't happen a lot where i'll have an emotional response from a game dual shock baby <laughs> god that was the best joke um, <laughs> i got that no, off. I, it was good no I, I i agree i agree entirely and i think part of that is because even though that game does not really give you plot choices for the most part like things happen in cutscenes. things tend to not happen that are wild, wildly disparate from what you yourself may be experiencing emotionally or considering happening if one of the protagonists takes that course. It's not something that you're going to be at a right angle with their decision. So you're like, I am now removed from the experience because this person I'm controlling is not a stand-in for me here. I can't empathize with what they're doing. I'm now controlling the puppet, and then the puppet just goes off on a murder spree, right? Like, um, when they want. Oh, so real quick, uh, kind of an inside joke for the podcast listeners. I won't spoil mm-hmm. anything. Uh-huh. Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I think the first one handled that a little bit better. And if, as a general concept, if you have characters doing things you, the player, do not want to do, it can be either off-putting or entirely remove you from the experience because you lose. Like you were mentioning earlier, you lose that that connection agency, yeah. exactly with a, with the character. What do you have in common with this person in the story in order to keep me reading? You still need to maintain that in a video game as well. Yeah. So there's not any specific. Oh, this is the one thing to make a game immersive. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many different angles to go about it, but it's some way to like put hooks into a person to pull them into the story or the universe of the game and keep them invested in it make them give a fuck Mm -hmm. maybe it's you don't show all of the menus you don't go over the top with that right maybe you have the music kind of fit the scenery maybe you focus on dialogue and not have people say random dumb shit that doesn't fit their character or the universe i don't know right um yeah maybe it's a lot of these things pieced together Mm-hmm. And it will depend between myself and Jake or anybody else what for them makes for good immersion. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually find a game that does a really good job at it will attract multiple groups of people. Yeah, I'd like to believe so. Um, Hopefully Pyre sold well. <laughs> this is my takeaway. <laughs> that would be the test, right? If being immersive is enough to, to bump sales, Pyre will have sold well. <laughs> I mean, there's a, definitely a time for it. There are times I don't necessarily always feel that I'm in the mood for something. Sometimes I like a mindless game mm-hmm. like Minecraft or Path of Exile or if I'm just autopiloting doing Hades runs. That's still fun for me too. Right. But if I want to get like into a single player experience it's like whew. that's something we didn't actually touch on as we're coming up on time mm-hmm. do you think good immersion is solely for a single player experience i don't think it's solely for a single player experience but single player has a multiplier on it and it's a hefty multiplier so any mechanics and systems that you're building together 
into a single player game uh, to try to be- make things immersive um, usually work better in a single player game. Like look back over all the titles we talked about, how many of those would have had the immersion reduced if it was uh, multiplayer Skyrim would have been obliter- obliterated because somebody would like stab the NPC I'm talking to in the back. Uh, Senua would have another person whispering in your instead of just your own psychosis. <laughs> um, like it's hard to having multiple people in a game pushes a certain type of feeling and pacing for the game. Yeah, it literally needs to be like a co-op. You are relying on the the other person, right? You can't have two P ones. Can't have two main yeah. characters. I think. It's like um, if we go back to Divinity a lot. Divinity is the closest thing, I think, to legitimately pulling off being able to share a narrative and a multiplayer experience um, with a lot of world building and RPG elements and not sacrificing a ton to get there. Even then, the game is more immersive, I think, in single player, uh, but not more fun. So why do you play games? <laughs> you know. That's true. No, that's actually a really good example. Divinity didn't show up to my mind, but that does pull it off. Yeah. It's it's an outlier. It's actually a really good showing that they were able to do that. Hopefully Baldur's uh, Gate 3. Yeah, it's an early access. People are... I think when we started recording, people started... Someone messaged us in Discord being like, hey, what do you guys think about it? Uh, to answer you until after after I, <laughs> yeah to, to answer you when you listen to the podcast later on sunday uh probably gonna hold off until after early access though i've heard good things yeah that's freaking immersion though you guys have been immersed in our voices for a bit thank you for listening for taking part in the auditory part of the podcast and uh, what immersion you can derive derive from that. If you would like to immerse yourself in our subculture, uh, you could do so by sending us your feedback at soapstonepodcast at gmail.com, or you could join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. They're all good people there, I think. I've talked to a few of them. I could vouch for them. I don't think they're sus. I think they're good. (laughs) sus as always we'll see you in the next one not if I see you first I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart In my heart I have but one desire And that one is you No other will do I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim I just want to be the one you love And with your admission That you feel the same 
I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire.